Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Kern. I'm along with my wife, Carrie, on these faith and family editions of the program. I love these programs, Carrie, and because they're meant to be fuel for the soul, right? That that song was from what beautiful? Oliver Twist. Oliver Twist. The musical. Oliver. Yes. And I, I just have this image of my two of my little girls performing in that musical. And that was when John Mark ran around with And John Mark, oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. I forgot about that. He went kind of running around in it's... kind of a goofy way. <laughs> that, was, that was cool as he was carrying gruel. All right. Let's all pray. Right, I'm all done. Let's pray. Let's not duel. <laughs> in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, thank you for humor. Thank you for life. Thank you for family. And thank you, Lord, for family meals. I ask that you would bless us, bless this conversation, and bless those who listen, that, Lord, we would glorify you in all the details, and the details of our lives, and that we would take advantage of the gift of a meal. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name Amen. of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, Carrie, as we were talking about, hey, what are we going to discuss today? You stumbled into this article. Uh, yeah, well, I think it also started with just going to buy butter last night and just astounded at the price. And not just that, but many things. I think we're all facing this. They just said the cost manufacturers pay right now came in higher than expected. And of course, guess who gets to pay those costs later on down the months? Us consumers. So the you know the cost price index. It's double what they're expecting on Wednesday, and it's the highest price in how many years? The highest price of goods? The highest price of inflation in 40 years. Oh, okay. So the highest inflation rate. Yeah. So the the amount of inflation. Do you know what the rate, inflation rate is? I I just saw, I saw the headline. None of them make sense because I'm telling you when they say it's 8% or it's 10%, I'm like, no, butter's up 50%. So why do you even bother? All of us who shop every day at the grocery stores... No, these prices are not real. Well, and, and it's funny. Okay, so I, I'm an amateur economist here. I'm, I'm an amateur <laughs> of an amateur, but the consumer price index is the is the price of a basket of goods, and they can move things in and out of that basket to shift the inflation rate to yeah, make so it actually appear better than it is. It's all a even game. though it's at a 40 year high. That's a 40 year high with let's say an optimally chosen basket of goods of goods exactly to make it as as low as possible. So now the interest rates are going to be raised again by the feds, which affects everything. Did you know airfare is 43% more annually to buy a plane Year ticket? over year. From last year, 43% okay. higher. Uh, I, I just, ugh, the whole thing's so annoying because how many people just said, do not make these stimulus checks go through, do not print more money, do not, because everyone saw hyperinflation coming. It was so evident when they poured all of these billions and trillions of dollars into our economy. And now we're all paying for it. And guess what? It's going to continue because these this con, uh, consumer price index is what they see now, but they haven't caught up to now all the goods that are going to be increased by the manufacturers because they're paying more. So really, imagine maybe in February, March, we're going to see today's report played out. So it's continually going, continually going up. Happy note. <laughs> Honey, you you got like a triggered day going on here. I know. Well, when I hear this, see, they they give you all these numbers, but we as consumers know the real price. When we go into the grocery store, how about when we went out to dinner? I was going through your receipts for different things, and I said to you, we spent $168 on dinner for four. We went out with that couple. Yeah, and, and I was shocked. And this I was thought, at a, how did that? It's not I like know. this fancy 
French restaurant or somewhere where you have to like wait six months. This was just an ordinary restaurant, nicer, but by the gas station. $168 for four people. And so we're not going out to eat anymore. We're done. We're all done. <laughs> Isn't that funny? And I don't. And if I remember that meal, I don't even. I don't think we got an appetizer. I don't know. if we I even think we got did, but it was drinks. And then I think the meals were like around thirty dollars each or something. Yeah, I, well, I had, go. I had uh, something off the appetizer list. Anyhow, oh, I didn't even right. have a meal. You didn't eat. Meal. Yes. I was looking at the prices going, no, I just can't eat. It's unfortunate when you go to eat something and it's so expensive you can't enjoy it. <laughs> I feel like that's where we're at with restaurants. So we literally have stopped going out to eat. Which is not a bad thing, except we still do fast food. Well, and I think, isn't there a dynamic in the economy that says you want to keep the money circulating? You want to keep the, 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 the economy requires people to be engaged in economic activity. But when prices go up, then things that they would normally spend money on, things that are like entertainment, things that are just family activities, things that are- They're like not necessities. Going out to eat. Yeah. yeah. All of a sudden you begin to say- we can have fun at home playing Monopoly, and we can have a cup of noodle. A know, cup of noodle. Or whatever. We can, <laughs> you don't have to spend that much money to be able to get a very, uh, you know, a decent meal. Um, and uh, in this economy, that's going to happen more and more. Well, I know shrinkflation is still a thing. We went to Trader Joe's to get items for the boo baskets because we're booing this weekend. Um, I literally think they put 12 chips in a bag of chips. I was talking to the gal next to me and I, I said, is it me? Or are these bags continuing to shrink? They're six ounces. What used to be like a 16 ounce bag of chips is now six ounces. It's barely enough for one person. I was just laughing at the tiny bags in Trader Joe's, seeing how small, like how small can they go before, you know, <laughs> it was so ridiculous. It, they're very clever. They're, there's definitely, there's some very clever marketing gimmicks you know how they do it with cereals, right? Oh yes. How? Oh, they thin the same size in the front, but they thin the side. Yeah, they make the them. Width. They make them less wide. Yeah, that's so evident, and that continues to shrink. They're, everything is continuing to shrink, but the price is staying the same and or going, going up. up. Well, you can't shrink butter. I guess when you go to buy those four right. cubes four or cube. half half cups or whatever, you can't really shrink that. I'm sure they'll try. They can, like they shrunk all the ice cream cartons. But it's just really interesting to see this. And I think this leads us into this article you read from the Wall Street Journal about how uh, it's with family dinner in childhood um, and how just dinner around the table is so much more necessary today than it's been with all the um, harmful mental health issues of kids. It's family dinners are key to children's health. So why don't we eat together more? It's an article. Did you... Enjoyed yeah, I did. It. Oh, it was a, I found it a, to be a fascinating article, first of all, because of the perspective that it took. It had nothing to do with faith. It had very little to do with uh, the reality of family accomplishing its mission, right? So th those would be sort of the entry points that I would look at. How, how are we, how are we uh, more fully living family life and expressing it through a meal? They were talking about family meals are indi indicators for like fewer, uh, less depression, less anxiety. Oh, it goes on and on. Obesity, academics, yes. success in life, marriages that will last less longer. suicidal tendencies. <laughs> it's just like, no, of course, 
it's not just family dinner. It's a family that's together, that puts in the time, the effort, the work, the service, the love. Because what does it take to have a family dinner every night or most nights a week? It is a lot of work, especially for the moms who typically are the ones that are making it, to gather everyone. And also, to have a family dinner, that means you're not running here, there, everywhere each night, chasing after other goods, but are they really that good, in place of the family dinner. Yeah. So let's start with just the reality that is it a big surprise? I, I'm I'm surprised that they measured it. Like, let's measure what's the positive. Like, what what correlates? Like, fewer instances of depression and suicidal tendencies, and and fewer instances of anxiety. Doing better in school, higher grades in school. These these better outcomes in life. And one of the correlating factors is they have family dinner more often, and it's not even daily. They they were saying four times a week. If you could get dinner four oh, times a God. week, that takes the pressure off. That that counted, right? <laughs> I think that's where so we're at right now. <laughs> up, I think it was three or four day, days a week was the a fam- They called it a family meal. This was the funny thing. It wasn't even family dinner. It was a family meal. And how would you distinguish the two? Breakfast. Oh, it could be just lunch. breakfast. Saturday lunch. If it's in the course of a week, if you had Sunday breakfast, Saturday lunch, and then only twice a week. You had those gab the dinner time meal that counted. I know when I was growing up, we always had family dinner. I mean, it was every night. I just don't remember. Well, one, my now, mom. Do you think that that's idealized in memory, or no. was it, is it that really the case? <laughs> the difference between my mom and me. My mom did not drive until she was sixty years old, so she could not drive a car. So she was home every night making dinner for Can us. Can we make a distinction between your mom? Um, not being able to drive a car and your mom not having a license. Oh, well, I don't think she could drive either. Well, I don't know if she's still uh, What I'm saying is after she got her license, that <laughs> she... Uh, that was like too subtle. <laughs> okay. That was an attempt to be humorous that was a little too no, subtle. No, we had dinner every night. And I, I just can't imagine... Like, I'm trying to remember when we didn't have dinners. It would be so odd. And sometimes my mom and dad would go out for business dinners with my dad's work. And then that was like so exciting to us because then she would, every now and then we'd get uh, hamburgers at McDonald's and I loved going in and ordering 20 hamburgers and watching everyone go nuts in the back because like, what, 20 hamburgers? Um, but it was very rare. And then sometimes I remember frozen uh, chicken, that frozen chicken banquet chicken that we would, and I thought that was a nice, I don't know. I thought that was good. It was... But okay, so that's a that's a nice little trivia question. When you think about family dinner growing up, a family supper, uh, dinner time, what what's the picture you have in your mind? It's dark outside. So I'm thinking fall, winter, um, tablecloth always on the table. So you had a you had day. a dining room and a dining room Big table. Big dining room. Did you have a seat? I didn't have an assigned seat. My dad and my mom were the only two that had assigned seats, and it was. There's usually 10, 11 of us, because at the time, I remember several of my siblings were out of the house. Um, So 10 or 11 means there were about eight kids at home. Yes. Okay. And I believe, I think we all sat down and passed the food around, a lot of spinach, steak, potatoes, bread, salads. I'm trying to think, my mom, her menu was very... Simple, although she creatively would cook other things, but there were definitely staple meals that we had. Rice, 
Um, yeah. How about you? What do you think of? I, I have a very distinct, I, I sat on the, I sat on a certain side of the table, left side. I sat next to my, my brother, George was on my right. Uh, and then it was me. I was sitting next to my dad on one side of the table. And then on the opposite side was my mom. Why would you have assigned seats? I don't know. It was just, you, you just said, well, this is what we did. And across from me was Joe, uh, Connie, Diane. Should we assign seats to our kids? Then uh, you would know who did not clean their plate. Yeah, or that's bring so interesting. Their cup to the no, sink. but we had assigned seats, and we had we had chores around family around the meal. So there was someone who was assigned to um, set the table, and then we had someone assigned to clean the table, clean everything clear. off, clear, okay. and then someone had to load and unload the dishwasher. It's kind of like what we do. Yeah. So we had assigned, but for me it was very distinctive. My mom always had a salad, so we had salad bowls. Um, so we had a salad and then we had salad bowls and my mom would actually put the salad into the salad bowls. So at every table plate, at every dish, we had, um, a plate, uh, we had a, a salad, uh, small, like a cereal bowl. Yes. It was full of salad. And we had, um, we had a plate with, um, slices of bread, oh, like white yes. bread. I remember And so that. it was a plate and it had slices of white bread on it and we had butter, like a stick of butter on a, on a butter uh, tray. And, um, and, and there were certain meals. So I knew on a weekly basis, we would have pork chops uh, one night. Yes, we have pork chops. One night a week. We would have uh, pasta, so spaghetti um, and macaroni. My mom would make spaghetti and macaroni. So because some of the kids like spaghetti, I was a macaroni guy. So uh-huh. I would have the, the ziti macaroni. And, um, and then there were other things that were staples. My mom would make ho- homemade meatloaf. Uh, we would have... Are you enjoying telling us your menu? <laughs> well, here's the thing. Um, my, I'm impressed that you remember it all, <laughs> that you remember all these details. I, but this is so important. I think this is so important that the memories that I have of my family, when I, and if you said to me, when was my family together? I don't think of, oh, I have all these memories of my family together at church in the pew. Oh, I don't have all these memories of my family um, playing sports in the backyard. That one time we did was a very deep ingrained memory to me. Um, even hanging around the pool, like my mom never went in the pool. So where I have memories as a family is the dinner table. And then the wider family, when, when do, what are the memories I have of my wider family? When that was typically my mom's side, it was cookouts. It was around meals. It was around food. So the one of the essential experiences of my whole being as it concerns family is in the context of meals and specifically of uh, dinnertime meals. Um, so, uh, oh, not to mention Saturday lunches. Oh, yeah, that's a whole other story. But <laughs> we're, we're up against a break. Back in a minute. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com.
www.thinkandgrowthpodcast.com. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran, and I'm thinking about fresh cold cuts and the smell of opening up a bag of Lay's potato chips. Oh, we had those too. Did you really? Oh, yes. Well, the thing about your family is we would have Lay's on Saturday mornings. I think after we, my dad would go grocery shopping. I don't know why they shopped on Saturday. Yeah, because Saturday morning. That's, that's what we when did. everyone shops. Why would no. you shop when everyone shops? I have no idea, but was well, like my dad was, worked a ton. But your mom was home all day. She could have gone Tuesday morning, Thursday morning. Oh, thank God my mom was watching you from heaven, okay? <laughs> because she was busy about many things when she was at home taking care of the kiddos. Um, but Saturday morning was chore time, and then towards the middle to late morning, typically my dad would head off to the supermarket, sometimes my mom. And then when they got back, it was like, everybody get out there. And it was carrying in 11 That's bags exactly of groceries. exactly what we did. Yeah. And my dad would honk the horn. We'd all come running out. Because oh. we knew there was like potato chips and... Fresh rolls. Actually These food. These rolls. <laughs> yes. Oh. My dad loved getting bread. Fresh rolls. My dad actually would get fresh bread every day. He was... Were he really? Yeah. He was retired, but he didn't oh, wow. work by the time it was, I don't know, third grade or something. He'd go to the store like every day. Okay. So Saturday was... We had the hoagie rolls and, and I would make that it would the 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 the, the best was when they get roast beef. Roast beef. Oh I yes. Love roast beef. Get that roast beef with lots of Are mayo. Are you hungry? Did you have lots did of you mayo? Have lunch? And my dad would say, You're just ruining it. He'd just shake his head, You're ruining it. You're with ruining all the mayo? It. Yeah. Oh. And then I wouldn't put tomatoes or lettuce on it. It was just the bread and the meat and mayo. And then big scoops of of chips. Now the way you're different. Big than- glass of ginger ale with ice, and I'd go sit down and I'd watch either Creature Double Feature, you're kidding. which was Godzilla, Godzilla movies. Now you're in front of a screen. You just went away or from the basketball. <laughs> the dinner table. By the way, by the way, the Wall the the Wall Street Journal article said. Oh, it counts. If you watch TV, no, just eat. the opposite. Oh, okay. They said that all those benefits that they talk about only work if there are no screens involved. Amen. They said if you bring screens to the table, or even if you have a TV on in the background, the positive effects of the meal diminish. Very I just good. think that's a fascinating. I mean, it's sort of one of those, of course, factors. Uh, do you remember the movie The Blind Side? Yes, when they had Thanksgiving dinner. Yes, with the game. Well, but plates. it was the game on. Right, the game was on. Maybe they were teasing her because she was she was working. And I don't know how f- people, moms who work full time, can organize family meals and put in the time and the effort and the energy. Because there are several things that go into making a dinner. Um, it's it's easier to it's easier to not have a special dinner time. It's almost easier just to throw in some frozen food, heat it up. Grab, go. We have to go to the next activity. That's what's, and I think that's what we're we're countering today. Did you not have sports growing up? Like, what would you do if it was you had, like basketball yeah, practice? Yeah, so all those practices happened right after school. So there were no practices at six at night or seven at night. So we had two times. Um, there was practice that went from two thirty to four thirty, and then four thirty to six thirty. So that was basketball, um, baseball, uh, track. Those were right after school, and okay. so they'd be done in time for dinner. So the only instances I can think of would be baseball games um, or other games would happen in the evening after dinner. Like baseball, you'd have to be done by 8 o'clock at night because it would get dark. Okay. Um, so that would be an after-dinner thing. So 
I, I guess I would say this, that growing up for you and me, the default setting, right? What, what you would expect as natural and normal was you'd get together for a family dinner. I wonder how many women worked less, moms worked not full time out of the home back then. Because I really do think that is probably one of the, if you were to put it on four pedest- four stands, it would be the mom being home to be able to prepare that meal and to prepare the space. Yeah, there's uh, two things that the Wall Street Journal article brings up. Uh, you named one of them. What is that? Which was that two, both parents work. And so it's a, a bigger challenge to get a family meal to happen. They were saying that um, uh, that you you have to be intentional and make a commitment. And so they were telling stories of different families. And one family um, that where the couple are both working, they assign a night to one of the adults. Like, okay, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, it's your job, husband. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Sunday, it's your job, wife. And they make sure that there's the food, there's the menu, and that they're going to make sure that they take the time to have the dinner ready. So that was that was one. So one was having two, having both members of the both adults working makes it harder. And what was the other one? Uh, it's not all the activities. Yeah, sports. Yeah, sports was uh, they they just they they talked about it as activities, but they highlighted sports more than anything. Yeah, that's probably the most demanding. Yeah, so or the most common, I guess. I, I think it's the most common for sure, but any serious hobby that requires commitment like that on a daily basis is or a regular basis is going to rob families of an easy opportunity. I feel together. bad. We accidentally <laughs> signed our kids up for, a couple of the kids up for cross country, and then right away is soccer. And so with another family, we were feeding the kids in the car on the way to soccer. And I, did, I just felt like we got robbed. But it's only for two so, more Carrie, weeks. You know what's funny? Five. The Wall Street Journal article says you can have a family meal not at the table. What? Not in the car? In the car. Absolutely not. I'm telling you that for them it was food, locking people in in a location, and having the conversation. It doesn't have to happen in the house. Can we just, let's just elevate this whole (laughs) vision of what the family meal should be and how it could be and not settle for our American culture and how depressing this sounds. Do do you want to elevate it? Well, I can elevate it. Okay, go. I'm, I'm gonna, just like this. I'm sounds... Elevate it. You get in the elevator and you go high, 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 high. What's the highest height you can go if you're gonna elevate something to the highest height? Heaven. Guess what heaven's described as? A heavenly banquet. A wedding feast. A wedding feast of the Lamb. Amen. It's described as a meal. It's described as a meal. A meal is a way of expressing communion, communication, presence, sharing, enjoyment. Feasting, celebrating, all of those things happen at a meal. Heaven is described as a meal. And so there's a way in which we talk about what is our natural level, at the human level meal, meant to give a glimpse of. It can even give a glimpse of the heavenly reality that we were made for, that we've been elevated into children of God to live and experience, and we are aimed at that forever, we can experience that and taste that even now. What makes a great meal? 
not food-wise, but just the experience of gathering together with another family or with your own family, what would the elements of a great gathering or a feast be that we should try to strive for? I remember, I'm thinking last night, our daughter <laughs> served her food and stood eating. And as some, we had a, a guest over, and as before he even got his food, she was like getting seconds. And I said, Luciana, you haven't even sat down yet. Like, don't you want to sit down? I know you had blessed the food. But we weren't able to sit down there as a puzzle. We we're doing a Halloween puzzle. <laughs> it's on the dining room table. So half the kids ended up outside eating. But it just felt like, okay, we need to take time to recreate what this looks like. Because I think that's where any kind of great, noble act takes time between mom and dad to communicate, to, to research, to brainstorm, to kind of find the ways in which it's not going smoothly, and then to have a vision for what it could be. And I feel like that's where, when we're busy with other things, and if mom's working, not that I'm opposed to that, it just is hard. It takes effort. It, it takes commitment. It's work to have yeah, a good family Don't tell meal. me what's important. I'll Let show me you. you around, <laughs> and I'll tell you what's important. It's what you spend your time on. Thomas Howard wrote a book called Hallowed Be This House. Hallowed Be This House. And he's a, he was a convert to Catholicism. I am very uh, proud to say he was a professor of mine. And he, he was a great colleague of Peter Kreeft. And uh, in his book, he goes through the different rooms in the house. Mm. And he, he gets to the dining room. And he connects it to the kitchen. And he says something about um, a meal. It's not efficient. That the purpose of a meal is far more than the efficient act of fueling the body to continue the work. You know, I think that is a really great insight. Something that I would like to discuss with our kids. What does that look like? If it's not here just to fuel your body so you can go do homework and you can get on to the next activity or go to youth group or run out to pick up something you forgot or whatever it is, what is the purpose of gathering? Because I think I run in the mindset of let's be efficient, let's eat while it's warm, Everyone grab this, get that, take that. I mean, it's a kind of a quick, when I say dinner's ready, it's a quick turnaround to sitting down and eating. And then I don't always sense that we sit there for a long time unless it's the weekend, because I do feel kids are ready to go and they have stuff they need to get to as far as school goes. But, and I think that's a blessing of Saturday or Sunday meals or Sabbath is you can sit at the table for a couple hours and not feel the rush. But back to what you're saying about Thomas Howard, how do you how do you cultivate that sense of we're not rushing through yeah. this? So he, he references a, a concept of something is solemn. Um, it's something that is festive, something that has a richer meaning to it than just the purely practical efficient. He said, if you were going to be efficient, you would just take spoons and eat out of the pan because that's the most efficient way to accomplish the, the feeding, the nourishing part. But uh, what I would say is this is I used phrases like if you look at the heavenly ideal, it has to do with communion, communication, the back and forth. So one way of saying it, and this is a way for, for folks that are listening to the program to think about it. Remember the most enjoyable, amazing meal that you've had or think of an amazing, enjoyable meal that you've had with your family. What radiated from it? What was it? And I would say things like, Laughter, smiles, 
back and forth. There was no one person dominating. There was this sense of, yeah, 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 and, on, stepping on top of each other with this rhythm and this, and this uh, almost chaos, but a beautiful... <laughs> this is spoken from an Italian is, that's a current dinner thing. table. <laughs> it's, it's, and, and it would involve even things like, you know, singing and remembering stories and bringing forth uh, points. And then let me build on top of that. So I think that it's calling upon deeper meaning that that context can allow. Do you, someone has said the meal satisfies the deepest longing of a person. I think we talk about the Eucharistic feast, the source and summit. Do you sense that that's what is helping these kids or families feel grounded and rooted in something beyond themselves? Yeah, this is where that Wall Street Journal article fell short because they were staying at like levels that were cause and effect, like you do this and you'll have this better outcome. Wouldn't it be great if the Wall Street Journal actually took it to the next level and said, okay, this is what this research shows. Now let's talk about an amazing gathering. Well, thanks be to God, there are Catholic programs like this one <sighs> that can explore it to a deeper level. Because if you stay at what, well, they, what they say, they it's depressing. It, well, and what they said were things like, it gives you a chance to check in on your day. Dumb. Well, it, it, it's not... <laughs> Dumb. <laughs> but if that's all that happens at a meal is you check in about your day, that's good, right? Because then the kids feel like someone's taking an interest in no. them. If they have something going on in their lives, they have a place to talk about it, all that sort of stuff, right? Those are not bad things, but there's more. There's, there's more. So there's so much more. more. So I, uh, one of the things I, would, I, I think we're intending to do, one of the things I want to do here is to talk about ways to take it deeper. Like how do we take it deeper? See, yeah, now we only have five kids to feed and manage, and I'm thinking I could do this with five. <laughs> um, something we've never done in our home is sit down and pass food around, like it's bowls. Called, yeah, just serving a family style. Family style. We've always done the buffet, and I think partly it was practical. And when we go to eat at other homes, it's typically a, a, a family that has a few kids, and it's just, at that point, we're just trying to find a place to sit because everyone can't fit around the table. And so we've always done the buffet style, and I, I would like to try passing the plates, or passing the bowls around, because then we'll avoid Luciana standing and eating her food right there. <laughs> she well, was starving. I, I got I to just say she was starving. She had gone from school to practice, cross-country practice to soccer, had not eaten or packed a snack, and so she was... And was probably thinking about the homework she had to get to. And she was talking about that dinner the whole way home. Like, what are we having for dinner? Beef stroganoff is my favorite. Oh, oh, we haven't brought She just, she loves her food. And so I don't, <laughs> I don't want to fault her, but if we all had to sit down and then actually teach them how to pass bowls around and how to wait for everyone to have their food on their plate and then say a blessing. I don't even know how to do it. I'm like, how do we even do that? I'll tell you about the way I grew up. <laughs> we had our plate in front of us because we learned how to set the table. And then you learn how to pass the food, right? Do you pass to the left or to the right? Or you learn all of these things. How do you, when you're taking your portion, you're thinking of others, right? So there's all of that stuff comes into play. Now, when we do this, I think what we've done is that we set up the idea that you take your food, you go sit down and you wait, right? Yes. And our standard was wait until mom sits down because she made the meal. Let's honor her by waiting for her to sit down and before I'd, we start. And I have a terrible tendency to say, oh, just go ahead and start. Just eat, you guys. And then I'm usually in the kitchen making a special something or another for a picky eater. And I just feel like I want you guys to eat the meal while it's warm or to enjoy it. 
and then I'm more practical, like, let's eat and then move on. I'm not looking to sit and check in with everyone and hear everyone's day is or has gone. I think we do that at family prayer. I just feel like, I feel that the family prayer time is kind of like a meal time when we gather and before prayer, just share and talk and relate. That's a really good point. Uh, when we come back, let's pick up on that because I don't think folks really got what you meant by it. We'll be back in a minute. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a, a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Okay, back to Sound Insight. Hey, welcome back to the program. Carrie, you were mentioning something just before the break. It was the experience, and the kids don't get this, the experience of the family before family prayer. Before family prayer happens, well, kids are gathering for family prayer. And guess what? They don't all come marching in at once. And so when they're coming in, whether it's before a family prayer or a family meeting where we're doing our, you know, organizing and talking about stuff as a family, there's this in-between time. And the in-between time is when the kids have a chance to talk, laugh, joke, tell stories, interact together. I think it's a ploy to put off actually starting the rosary or doing prayer. You think so? Oh, yes. And... Then when we're actually done with prayer, there's a way in which they linger, but there is also a sense of, oh, we're free now. So I think that we could sit and talk for a long time before starting. And who is the person that says, let's go, we got to pray. It's time for bed. That's you. That's me. I'm like, let's go. Why, why are we still here for an hour because later? I'm loving the communion of persons. <laughs> just... I'm loving that union, that, that enjoyment of the kids with each other. I think that that's not something to take for granted. That's something to intentionally foster. And do that's you... what you're talking about for meals. Well, I, why did we have dinner at 10 o'clock at night about three weeks ago? Was it that late? Yes. And it was so late. It was really funny. And I don't remember where we were, what was going on. But we all started, and someone was over for dinner, and they were joining us. I think it was some teenage boys. And I was serving dinner at 10 o'clock at night, and everyone was sitting around eating. But it was before the school season started, I'm sure, because we don't eat at 10 o'clock at night ever. Anyhow, um, it was just this idea of let us, let us all gather together at the end of the day. Mom put something, in, I think, in the crock pot. And everyone was, like, totally fine with just having a meal and hanging out together and not rushing somewhere or doing something. It was just funny. Okay, so then elevating the meal, there's something that you bring to the table. Ha, ha, ha. Did you like that? Oh, yeah. I Did you like I that analogy? Totally caught that. <laughs> the, the turn of phrase. There's something that you consider very important that is uh, that has that analogy to, that has that is somewhat similar to the idea of the time before the actual prayer. It's the time before the actual sitting down and eating. Well, I think... The best meals, in my experience, are when everyone has a part to play. Really, I, I think a meal is gathering together to work like and service. Like when does the meal start? The meal starts an hour before. Oh, no, 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 no. 
three days before when I go grocery shopping. <laughs> yeah, I good pick point. out the, the cut of meat. What's the dessert? I pick out. Hey, the, that's in the Wall Street Journal. The article. ingredients. Oh, like, seriously? Yeah, one of the things they say to help you be set up for success in having a meal is you don't try to figure out what you're having for dinner when you just get home from work. They say they, one of the examples they used was you pre-packaged dinners like a week in advance. It really does help. I remember going away with my sister and we were on vacation, but we had like both of our families there and seven in the morning we're having coffee and she's like, okay, so I think I'm going to make this for dinner. I better pull that out of the freezer. I think I'm going to go. And I stood there, looked at her and thought and said to her, you start dinner at seven in the morning. I don't even start to think about what we're going to eat till three in the afternoon. And it really had me change my way of looking at mealtime because typically what happens with moms is three, four in the afternoon is the crazy time when all the kids come home or the, the activities start and you're just depleted of energy, creativity, time. And it's just a very hard time to get a good meal together. I loved growing up with my, I had a couple of my siblings that were foodies and they loved talking about food and they loved to make like fresh pasta, like where you... Um, use that pasta maker. Oh, wow. And they'd make the fresh noodles or flour or whatever it was. <laughs> they'd actually make it from scratch. And the cheeses and the meats, and they would talk about the food and they would describe the flavors. And they would, this would be like a three to four day event. And this buildup was a whole process. And I know some people like that where you're not just going to have pizza and a salad. No, you're going for, it's an event. And the food is literally this creative process that everyone's a part of that makes for this beautiful sharing of hearts and minds and stomachs. Well, and I think that this is an area of uh, healing and woundedness in our marriage. <laughs> Let's just not go there until well, I still have to go through a therapy before that. I so. know, I know. But <laughs> no, that vision, what you just said is so different. Than, than my experience. Growing up, my dad was never in the kitchen with my mom before dinner. Your mom, your mom was a hard worker and she did not demand work from her girls or from her boys. She let you all sit. Okay, now, now you're talking like a wound. And enjoy <laughs> the TV or How, enjoy each other. She loved being able to, to serve, serve food as a way of like expressing her love for her kids. Well, I that think was, that was the gift part of it. I think and we of, disservice our kids if we let them just sit and hang out and do nothing. I, Carrie, it's not, that's not the alternative. It, that's not the alternative, but this isn't, <laughs> well, for instance, <laughs> you know, I think I'll our biggest it. fights over no. our family heritage know, or our family so upbringing. But are... I want to say it this way, like while I was, vi while I was visiting with my brothers and my dad or, you know, as we were all visiting, my mom was making the food and bringing it out to us. I have and, no and so problem it wasn't, with that. We were doing nothing. No, we were enjoying conversation. We were enjoying time together. So it, it doesn't have to be everyone's lounging around on the couch doing nothing, wasting time. This is it. And then the other one, and then the mom is laboring alone in the kitchen, I slaving. Felt, uh, can I just speak my yeah, wound? Speak, speak your truth, dear. <laughs> I felt like. I felt that I had all these children, they're a little needy, needing me, needing food, and I needed a helpmate. I needed someone to come in and help me get the meal ready. It was a ton of work to feed 11 people every day, every night. And I needed a second and third person in the kitchen alongside me. 
to make the meal great. So I, I think we settled for easy meals for many years because it, to have a healthier meal takes more prep. It just does. Cause you're working with fresh produce or product. Um, and so I think that when I see you standing there, way, guess what? <laughs> talking. Go back to the article. Studies say that when you have planned meals, you eat healthier. Yes. Because you're less likely to just default to junk food, fast food. Fast food and junk food um, are typical in homes that don't have, more typical, more common in homes that don't have family meals. Well, I've noticed that the more um, unhealthy food our kids have access to or that I give them or buy for them, the less healthy they want to eat. It's almost as if... Say that again. Like if you don't buy the junk food, then they are looking to go get junk food on their own more? No, I feel like if I give them junk food, they want junk food. Versus if I'm feeding them, when I say junk, I mean prepackaged stuff. Some of it's fine, you know, you have to do pasta or rolls. But um, if I'm not cutting and preparing and giving them vegetables and I don't know, maybe it's just our culture. We're so over inundated with everything fresh, organic, non this, non that has to be, you know, so... I have a whole problem with that too. But anyhow, I don't know, Tom. So trying to figure it out. I just want to help me in the kitchen. That's my point. It's, uh, I always talk I about the movies. I need romantic comedies. Help me in the kitchen. Where the date Let's always cook together. There they are in the apartment. Well, and, and they're always making the meal together, chopping up food. And the music's and the playing music and they're drinking their on. wine. Yes, and the, exactly. That is a thing. Why do you not think that's a thing? Because you sat and talked to your brothers as your mom cooked that's in the right. kitchen. It's, see? It's, and I'm she did not bring you into the process. I, I grew know. up... I had several family members all in the kitchen cooking together, working to make a meal that was huge. It was usually for 20 people. Well, I, so my I... best, no, my best memories, I'm going here. <laughs> when my four older girls, and even the younger girls are home, not the boys for some reason. <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe that's it. They all are in the kitchen with me. We're all doing, one's making a salad, one's making the dessert, one's setting the table or figuring out the pl- place, seatings, or figuring out the game for after dinner or Whatever, but everyone's working together. In I love words, that. Serving well, together. I love, so let me just <laughs> embr- embrace your point and say that to elevate a meal <laughs> is to elevate the time before the meal. So if yes. you can include the time before the meal, not as who's going to do the drudgery of getting the meal ready, but instead say, if we want to have an elevated meal at the meal, bring them in as part of preparing the meal. On Sundays. There's a richness there. On the weekends. You can't do that every night. I often don't let the kids, I don't have the kids help me at all during the week because they are really busy with schoolwork and activities. And so I'm fine making a very simple meal with a protein like a meat and a, a vegetable of some sort, a salad and a you know bread. or So I, I try to keep the meals healthy and simple. But when you do a bigger meal on Sundays or on occasions or a Friday for night guests. having family yes. over or something like that. Then it is a vision you raise up to your kids. And, and hey, we're know, doing this and we're I, cooking this and, and everyone's that's helping. Great. I, I think that that happens more. Like yeah, it, it does. This, uh, this charcuterie board, right? That's <laughs> been the thing. Yes. I but, have great charcuterie makers. Yeah. But that, that has been really cool because kids enjoy like really making it nice. And certain kids have more of a flair and a, and a, and are drawn to that than others. So uh, other kids, others enjoy eating it. Some enjoy making it. That was a joke, dear. Okay. But um, making it, making everyone involved is definitely a part of how um, you can elevate the, the reality of the meal. When we come back, let's talk about the richness that can happen during the meal, during the actual conversations. All right, we're up against the break. Back in a minute. 
Welcome back to the program. So Carrie, we're talking about meals and how the ideal, like we, we, we said the ideal is in heaven, but the ideal, Jesus came to earth. And it's amazing to think of how many times Jesus used the context of a meal for some of his most important teaching, his most important parables, his most important events. These things happened in the context of meals. Can you think of one? Last Supper, the of course, son. right? Well, Last Supper is the biggest one. Oh, right? well, I, I didn't want to do this, the source and summit of everything. Oh, I just was perfect. trying to start right. so lower. It, it, it's a holy sacrifice, right? That's what it is, the divine liturgy. It's also, it's this sacred meal, right? It's the Passover meal that was elevated to that whole new status. But Jesus' most famous parable, arguably, is the prodigal son. And that parable was spoken to Pharisees who criticized Jesus because he was eating with tax collectors and sinners. So here he is eating, they come to him, and then he gives that parable, among others. Uh, Jesus uh, at the, um, the Martha and Mary story, right, where Martha comes to Mary. What was going on? Martha Uh-oh. was providing hospitality. Martha was busy about many things, yes. and Mary chose the better... So is that the, you the and your mom? communion of persons. You that and your was mom. the better part. Your mom was busy, and you yeah. just chose the better and part of did, sitting at your dad's Martha, feet. Remember what Martha said to Jesus? Tell my sister. <laughs> Martha says, bossing Jesus around. Tell my sister to help me. I can relate. Thank you, I Jesus. can relate Thank to that. Thank you, Jesus, for that story. <laughs> that The spirit of Mary so why do you, feet of Jesus. Why do you think so many of his parables and stories and recollections are around males? Well, you look at... Um, what does it say in, in Revelation 3.20? Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and have Dying. supper with him. Okay. I'll come in and have supper with him. There is something very deep in the heart of God that is the communion of persons. The essence of God is a communion of persons. And the communion of persons, it isn't, accomplishing a work. The communion of persons is the being together in relationship. I think that's why I was so, I, I'm really, I love my Italian heritage where we would have these family gatherings with all my Italian side and they would just hang around for hours. And start singing. Singing. Hide the wine. Telling stories. <laughs> And, and they would, same stories. Same stories, the same jokes, over oh, and over. And they got Uncle funnier. My Gino was so funny at telling stories. He'd tell you crazy <laughs> jokes. My mom would laugh so loud. And then they'd start singing, and Nanu would start singing, take out his harmonica. And it was just this communion of persons. And, hey, whoa, yeah. I loved it. And then I lived in Italy. And you cannot imagine that in 1986, in 1986, or as late as 1989, at uh, the workday, eight-hour workday was eight to twelve, and four to eight. Everything was closed from twelve until four. Supermarkets closed. Clothing stores closed. Banks closed. Uh, everything. Gas stations closed from twelve to four. Why? Everybody went home and had a meal with their families. Four hours. I wonder what it's like today. I wonder uh, if it's the same. I don't know. I I, think, I I hope it is. I think it's really, really, really gone down from there. Right? You, you, I have told you the story. I've said it before in Sound Insight that um, when the first McDonald's opened up, it was next to the Spanish Steps, 
and Italians protested it. Do you know how? They brought big pans of pasta and gave it away for free outside the restaurant. <laughs> if you don't go in there, we'll give you free pasta. I think there is a downfall to fast food restaurants. I mean, I think it is something in our culture that has really uh, not just not healthy, but it's made things fast, fast food. It's literally what it says. It and makes you're it eating, efficient. You're eating in your car on yep. the way to wherever. Carrie, uh, I told you the joke when I went to Spain to study. I lived with a family and I met these young people in this town in Spain. They'd never been to America. And I described to them a fast food restaurant and they were laughing. They couldn't believe it was true. How do you get food at the restaurant? You drive around to the back. Well, why would you drive around to the back? Well, so you can speak into the box. What? Why do you speak into the box? Because that's how you talk to the people on the inside. Well, why would you do that? So you can order the food. What are you talking about, order the food? Yeah, you tell your order there. You don't go in and sit down? No. And then what happens? Well, you drive around to the side. Well, why would you do that? So they can open the window and hand the food out the window. And they're like, what? This is a joke. This isn't real. This can't be real. You don't get your food handed out a window. In a bag. In a bag. <laughs> why would you do that? That does sound really Well, you do that and... so you can eat your food while you're driving. And they're like, what? That doesn't make any sense to us. So the phenomenon of a fast food restaurant was completely humorous and completely apart from their own experience of the meaning of food. You know, I think that's partly why we have such a huge, what, 44% of teenagers are either incredibly sad and depressed. 44%, that's really? almost Is half. that high? Yeah, that was in the article. Oh, that's crazy. And uh, just incredible anxiety, depression, sadness is part of it, small part of it is just how we don't take time to be together. We're rushing to the next thing. We're so busy trying to enhance our career or make more money that our you kids are- efficient and productive? Yes, our kids are on their phones <laughs> in their bedrooms, isolated apart from us because we've got to get to the next meeting or make the next you know, event, budget, whatever commitment we've made to- Up and to the right. Up and to the right, up and to the right. And it's just devastating human relationships and, and communion. It is- so, Carrie, that's, that's a nice lead-in, as we're finishing here, to the devastation that is coming, that has come upon young people today through the digital world, through smartphones, uh, video games, and other smart devices that connect you to the digital world. A week from tomorrow, a week from tomorrow at St. Mary Catholic Church in Spokane Valley, Carrie and I are leading a whole morning session, three different, uh, uh, three different talks and interactions on parenting the digital generation. We are going to share stories, insights, and practical guidance for you to help you raise your kids to navigate the digital world. Yes, and then we're gonna start an addiction group of all the adults and all the teens that are addicted to their phones. I'm signing up. I'm like, what, what, when we talk about, okay, first it's the whole messaging to teens, but how many of us adults are not just addicted, need our phone, have to have the phone, have to have that constant, constant, so thank the Lord, my hey, husband finally ago, ordered I, me a wise wise phone, smartphone. Yeah, what I did. I, I ordered thank you. Thank you, Jesus. It's not it's not a wise phone. It's a less expensive one that has better uh, a better GPS system. Oh, that's great. That's like actually just what I need. Yep. So I'm excited for that. Um, and we really would love you to come. 8.30 Mass ends by 1. You don't lose your whole day, but this is a day where you're going to gain way more than you lose in time. It doesn't cost you anything, but you're going to gain insight and wisdom to be able to raise your kids and know how to help monitor and manage the use of smartphones. 
it is it has been a battle god for whatever reason mysteriously planted us in the world and had us had kids at a time when the smartphone existed our child turned 8 and it we have literally raised our kids <clears throat> all these nine kids in this digital world and watched the emergence of social media platforms and uh uh the the increasing use and in, in cleverness of technology and the increasing use and and devastating effects just terrible horrible effects suicide transgender and, and here's the thing still even after all this too few parents are engaged they're not alert they're not taking action they don't know what to do they're not aware and it's devastating the lives of kids so please people come out come one come all saint mary catholic church in spokane valley on the 22nd from 8.30 in the morning until 1 in the afternoon. We'd love for you to be there. Great. Well, I think it'd be a good time. And again, Tom, this is, you know, we're talking about dinner time, connecting, giving and offering our kids and each other and other families something better than being on your phone in your room or something better than what is being offered by society. And it's not just a meal. It's it's going deeper. It's the communion. It's with persons. It's the conversations, right? And that's where you and I are still on the way. We're still Amen. on the way. You do better than I do to, to say, let's up our game regarding the use of this time. Let's bring questions to the table. You look to me and say, be the leader of these conversations. <laughs> be the leader. Hurry no. Up. Start leading in Jesus' name. <laughs> no, Get I think there. often we would just stare at each other from the either ends of the table, exhausted, because... Our kids, when they were younger, especially in the last, you know, we've, I think we've come out of that season, but just like, oh, we made it. We made it to dinner time. <laughs> it was our break before we started up again in a three-hour bedtime routine. But, um, you know, I, I don't think that these amazing family meals happen um, without a lot of effort, focus, intentionality. I don't think it's necessarily something we live in um, month to month, week to week. I think there are seasons. I know right now we're going to a dark season. I know that it's getting darker in winter. And this is actually a really great time to open up the home to have other families come over. Because there is this loneliness. There is a sense of isolation. There is a sense of, oh, I have nothing to look forward to. It's so dark already. But if you have on the calendar once a week a family coming over, or every other week, a couple of families coming over. Well, you have seminarians coming over on <laughs> Sunday after Mass. Nice. I mean, there's just a way in which now we enter into this season where you open up the home, open up the table and to elevates. build. And yes. that elevates kids so much. All right, Carrie, there's a lot more to say, but there's no more time to say it in. And I really appreciate you being with me today, dear. Hey, God bless you all. Go and subscribe to the Dr. Tom Curran podcast. You can go to mycatholicfaith.org. Share this with others. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great weekend. Join me on Monday for more of the program. <laughs>